Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. I remember a commercial on television that included the phrase, the gift that keeps on giving. I might be dating myself when I say that. But I cannot remember what was being advertised. It couldn't have been money, even though most of us, I'm sure, would appreciate a cash gift. Money is a flexible gift and can be used in so many ways. But I don't think that we can say that it is truly the gift that keeps on giving. Few gifts have a more abbreviated lifespan. About the only thing it ever says to me is goodbye. Maybe the commercial was about jewelry. It's sometimes expensive, but for those who can afford it, jewelry is a really nice gift. It's pretty, it can convey beautiful symbolisms, and it's quite durable, but we cannot truthfully say that it either is the gift that keeps on giving. Do you remember hearing this? An advertiser used to say, diamonds are forever. But it's a bit exaggerated to say that they're forever. They could get lost or stolen, and from what I understand, eventually even diamonds will dissolve back into the elements of which they are made. Most of us might appreciate fine jewelry, but it can't be called the gift that keeps on giving. I have racked my brain and can only think of one gift that fits that description. That is the gift of self. Our gospel reading for today deals with this thought. Jesus spoke of giving his flesh and blood for the life of the world. That's a graphic way of saying that he was giving himself. He kept nothing back. On the cross, he gave everything that he was and everything he had. This gift was presented to the world almost 2,000 years ago, actually over 2,000 years ago, and it is still giving today. It passes down from generation to generation. It crosses every boundary and every language barrier. Millions of people in every part of the world will receive this gift. Thanks be to God. You and I cannot equal this gift. But what we can do is accept it and share it. We can give of ourselves. Now perhaps we might think that's not much of a gift when we consider the quality of our lives. But let me assure you, friends, self is the best gift that any of us can ever give. It means the most, and it will last the longest. Long after we're gone and even forgotten, that gift will still be giving. All we have to do is reflect back on those dear to us who have gone before us, They are still giving to us today and to the world. In the Eucharist, 
we deepen our relationship with Jesus. Not mechanically, but by becoming more and more like him over time. We meet God in this mysterious and dramatic way. God gives himself to us, and out of this we desire to shape our lives into a loving gift for him. Father Mark honed, on, honed in on the mystery of union with Christ in the power of the Eucharist last week. Our catechism also says it quite well. The sacraments are an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace given by Christ as sure and certain means by which we receive that grace. It's this spiritual grace, friends, that is manifested in us, that makes our gift valuable, particularly in the kingdom of God. And in the offering of ourselves a living sacrifice to God, his Holy Spirit flows and moves through us, extending this grace to others naturally. And what makes this gift so valuable is a really simple fact. And that is that somebody needs it. Somebody needs you. Now maybe this truth is more obvious with some than it is to others. We can readily see the need for great leaders, thinkers, and doers. Presidents, prime ministers, kings, they are essential to the well-being of every single society. When they falter or fail, institutions tremble. When they die unexpectedly, things are thrown into a state of crisis. It's clear that leaders are needed, even though we may disagree with their leadership. But maybe it's not so clear when it comes to you and me. Who needs us? We might ask ourselves, what vital operation would be affected by our absence? But delve deeper with me here and let's look a lot closer at this. What about that small society called your home? Your presence there is absolutely essential. Your work, your heart, is needed in and out of your home, at your job. Your prayers are not only needed, but they are truly depended upon. But most of all, you, friend, are needed. The unique, one-of-a-kind masterpiece that God created as he formed you in your mother's womb, according to the psalmist. You may give your spouse, your partner, your children, your grandchildren, all kinds of things, but the one gift they need more than anything else is simply you. The same holds true to your friends. You may not give them money. You probably don't sweep their floor. Perhaps you do. Or take out their trash. 
They don't need those things. They earn their own livelihood. They do their own chores. All they want from you is you. They need your devotion. They need your understanding. They need your love. So how do we give ourselves, and what does that mean? While it might be hard to explain, the best way I know to understand it is to consider the opposite. A person can be physically present in a place and yet not really be there. Their mind is somewhere else. Their interest and concerns are somewhere else. All of us have experienced that. And no doubt, all of us have been guilty of that. Weariness can cause it. Worry can cause it. Busyness can cause it. But whatever and whenever we are like that, for whatever reason, we are truly withholding ourselves. Our gospel provides the remedy, and it is Jesus. When we feed on him the living bread, we are nourished, and his presence manifests in all that we do. The gift of self involves making ourselves vulnerable to the people that we love. Jesus did that. Could anyone ever be more vulnerable than that day at Calvary? For you and me, it need not be that dramatic or severe, but it does need to be just that real and authentic. To be vulnerable is to let people see you as you really are. Remembering that God says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you are made in his image. It means to run the risk of being misunderstood and even rejected. It might mean getting involved in the down and dirty things, even though these things might truly break our hearts. The only way I know to say it is to give of yourself. This is what Jesus did, and this is what he caused his followers to do. And his followers are us. Why do we say this gift keeps giving, and how do, can we say that it lasts forever? Our own mortality seems to totally contradict that. We're here for such a short time. A human life is so brief that it does not even make a blip on a radar screen of forever. It does not mean, however, that when we are gone, our gift is gone. Jesus lived 33 years and died, but the gift he gave for the life of the world is still here, and it will never be gone. On a smaller scale, you and I can make that same kind of contribution, and God is counting on us to do just that. We can do what he did, invest ourselves in the lives of other people. Then when we are gone from this earth, that part of us will still be living and working right here. Others have done that for us. A long time ago, your great-great-grandmother may have taught her children how to love. They taught their children? Who taught their children? It's a ripple effect, you see, and that love is still working in you and in me. Now, we've spent the last few weeks parked in chapter 6 of John's Gospel. Father Mark challenged everyone to read that. It's rich. 
And why is it so important in the life of the church and that of a believer? We've heard Jesus say, I am the bread of life. And today, he makes another very bold statement. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. There is a Native American story, and perhaps you've heard it, but I'm going to share it with you. It's about a grandfather who is teaching his grandson an important lesson about life. And the wise grandfather sits his grandson down and begins to tell him about a battle, a fight. He says, there is a fight going on inside of me. It's a terrible fight, he says. It's a fight going on between two wolves. One wolf is evil. He lives only for anger and greed, arrogance, ego, and self-pity and power. The other wolf is quite good. He lives for peace and hope, generosity, humility, compassion, and faith. Then the grandfather says, the very same fight is going on inside of you. In fact, these wolves fight inside of each and every one of us. Which wolf will win? The grandson asked him this loaded question. The wolf that wins, the grandfather says, is the one that you feed. Our gospel is clear. What we feed on is the living Jesus Christ. He names himself as the very food for our souls. He fills us and shapes us for mission and ministry, for life and faith. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Living bread. The expression living bread stands in contrast to all the other bread we will ever eat in our life on this earth. It calls to mind the five loaves we read about in the desert just a few weeks ago of Jesus feeding the 5,000. They were multiplied in proportion to meet every human need. So it is with Christ. This is who Jesus is. We do not have to live the rest of our days possessing our own power and strength. His divine power and love will never, ever run out. There's always more than enough to meet our needs. The question is, how do we avail ourselves of this renewable power, strength, and love? Love that is so encompassing that we can't even contain it. It overflows from us onto others as we give more and more and more of ourselves. Now, our aspiration in our minds may be, to, I want to be this person. But out of our own strength and mastery of our own life, it's futile. Jesus says in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me 
you can do nothing. You see, the world and our lives can present us with an endless series of problems and challenges, can it not? We try and figure it out in order to gain a sense of control and mastery over our own lives. But as soon as we master one thing, it seems another pops up to challenge us. And the relief we find is often short-lived. Soon our mind is gearing up again, searching for understanding, mastery, a way to fix things, instead of trusting, instead of seeking and feeding on the living bread, our divine source. The answer is not in trying harder. Now, granted, there may be times where we do need to do that, but not when our strength is spent. This is the time when we cease to be active and we, friends, come open and receptive. We're really good at trying harder. But often we don't know how to open our hearts to God's renewing and restoring power and love that he so desires to pour upon us. I want to share with you three very practical things where the spiritual grace of Jesus Christ meets and renews us. First, the sacrament of Holy Communion, because it bids us to come to the altar where we are not there to do anything. Our purpose in this moment is to have something done for us. We bow in his master presence, and Christ allows his love and power to come into our lives. Second, we meet God in his word. John's opening prologue is quite direct. In the beginning was the word, and the word, the word, was with God. And the word was God. Hebrews 4 tells us the word of God is alive and it is active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges our thoughts and our attitudes of our heart. This changes us. Jesus creating us a hunger for your word. Thirdly and last, prayer. Prayer is putting ourselves in such relationship to God that his power and love can be released through us. It's not about trying to change God's mind. It's seeking to know his mind and to know his heart. It does not alter God's will. It releases God's will into us. It includes asking but not begging. It takes seriously his desire to restore and revitalize us with himself. It's being still and knowing he is God. It's allowing him to simply love us. Jesus says, I live because of the Father, and he is talking about himself. 
the eternal Son of the Father whose life in which we share it. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Eat, live, and abide. These are words that belong to the home. Jesus invites us to bring anything in our lives that is unsettled or out of place that may find its hope and home in him. We are the living bread for one another and for our broken world. May we trust and believe with all that we are that this is true. And may we be the conduit of his power and love. That is the gift that keeps on giving. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. We will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace.